Hey guys, Chris here. Once again, back with it after like three weeks of not doing anything. And I'm here with my um, with my good friend, uh, Wilfred. Wait, was is it Wilfred? <laughs> no, no, because I, this is your contact on my phone. It's Wilfred Robinson Donald <laughs> Welch. Is that correct? It's, it's, uh, it's close. My name is, my full name is Donald Robinson Wilfley Welch. But I go by Will because my mom's <clears throat> mom's maiden name last name is Wilfley, and so that's my middle name. So that's where I get. Will. Oh, so it's not Wilfred. No, but I didn't change it because I like the name Wilfred anyway. Because it's sort of my my uncle always called me Williford, uh, so it's sort of similar. And Wilfred was an old Anglo-Saxon name. It was the name of um, some of the Anglo-Saxon uh, church leaders during the medieval times in England. So. Don't have a problem with the name Wilfred if you want to keep Well, then that. why in the world have I been calling you Wilfred these last few weeks? I don't know. I thought you were just messing with uh, me. No, I, th I, I thought that was your name. <laughs> no, it's a great name. Maybe I'll name, I don't know if I'd name my son that because it would probably, I don't know how popular the name would be in school or something. <laughs> <laughs> they get bullied. Yes. All right. Well, well thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm going to play the intro real quick. All right, um, wait, Donald, yes. not Will. I'm just going to call you Will because... Yeah, call me whatever you want, but most people call me Will. Okay, well, fun fun fact. So my my head pastor um, right now, his his name is uh, Jeff Ingram, um, spelled G-E-O-F-F. -F. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. I think that looks really ugly. So I call him David, his middle name. I am... You don't just call him Pastor. <laughs> Oh my goodness, my people have told me to do that, but um, no, I do not just call him pastor. I call him David. You said that. <laughs> and so I am, I am likely one of the few people on this planet who calls him David. Well, that's very cool. You're the only person on this planet who calls me Wilfred. <laughs> and so, uh, okay, well, <laughs> that I didn't know. I, I, le I legitimately thought that your name was Wilfred. Yes, yes. Um... Yeah, so I was, um, but yeah, so just so just um, getting started, Mr. Donald or Will, um, where, who, who are you, where are you in life, what are you doing, and where, where do you want to be? Well, uh, I am a Christian, I belong to Jesus Christ, um, and right now I am a senior at Washington University hmm. here in St. Louis, and I am from here, uh, I think Missouri is the greatest state in the... Debatable. Well, that's okay. Uh, but I, I'm from here, and I, uh, I've i lived here since I was two years old. And it's been fun to go to college in the same town that I grew up in. And I'm majoring in history, and I did a, actually a minor in religious studies. I had an education major in addition for a while, but I sort of uh, decided not to, not to go on with that. In terms of where I want to be, I've planned to uh, attend seminary, uh, not this coming fall, but the next fall. And between that, I'm just gonna work, substitute, teach, coach, and so forth. So that's where that's where I am at the moment. So you got a religious studies degree, uh, minor, minor, sorry, minor. Yeah, in a pagan university. <laughs> pagan. Well, I would say it's more uh, lapsed Unitarian. It was founded by Unitarians in the 1850s, but. Unitarians don't really believe anything anyway. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> it, it's not. Um, I don't think that WashU has. It's. It definitely has an ideology. Um, 
but it's a very it's very secular. But the religious studies program was also fun because I learned a lot and it was exciting. I enjoyed those classes. Actually. Really? Yes. So, are you familiar with the different types of? Uh, well, so right now I'm taking a, a Bible as literature class. Yes. Why did you say it with your face closing, like with almost like a? Have you taken that too, or have you heard? No, of because it? you've told me about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the the professor very much has a historical critical perspective on the Bible. Yes. <clears throat> which uh, so are, are you familiar with that lingo? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So so from from your perspective, is that more or less the the entirety of the really of the Christian part of the religious studies? I would say so. Um, I took a class on Paul. Great, great class. Teacher was so nice and so cool. Was it Jeno? Yes, Jeno. He's really cool. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Uh, but he also has views about Paul and um, letters, certain letters in the New Testament that he thinks Paul didn't actually write. Hmm. And I disagree. I disagree with that strenuously, as a matter of fact. But I, th I found the class very interesting. I learned a lot about Paul and about Pauline's okay. scholarship on Paul and so forth. So it was a great class. Mm -hmm. I don't regret it at all. Yeah. In fact, that class sort of helped me th uh, more towards going to seminary because it made me really want to know the languages, uh, Greek and Hebrew. Paul didn't write in Hebrew, but I want to know that language as well. And it also just made me aware of like what the debates in Pauline scholarship mm. Pauline are. scholarship. Pauline. 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 Fine. Genuine. 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 <laughs> genuine. Genuine. Genubeer. Genuine. Genubeer. Hey, don't you speak German? I'm Bissian, but my German's not very good. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so that, that's what I did for the religious studies. But my main major, my main focus has been history, and particularly American history, mm. focusing on the Civil mm. War. Um, anime de Bear Evrit. What? Yes. Okay. Let us continue. Yeah. So, so for for anyone who who I, I just like said I, I speak Hebrew and Hebrew, but I don't really ah. speak very much Hebrew. Um, for anyone wondering who heard the term historical, uh, critical, uh, it basically describes a perspective, like being generous with the perspective and not like totally like crashing it down. It for for the most part, it's a very it, generally speaking, it takes a look at the Bible more of more through a world religions approach. So they would approach the Bible and its stories and the historical perspective of it the same way it would do so with like a myth, like an ancient myth. So like, for example, the um, I don't know, like the uh, I don't know what are some like the Greek myths. Like let's say that someone went in looked at the Greek myths and then how the, the stories came to be and all that. So like, oh, someone made it, made it up and then it got passed down through the different stories, et cetera, et cetera. That is how one would, that is how they would look, look at the Bible. So one example would be they would look at uh, the story of, I don't know, let, let's say the story of the flood, the flood. Well, I would say the best mm -hmm. example for them with the people who support the higher critical method, particularly with the, uh, with the Torah, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. One example would be in Genesis 1 and 2 where they say, well, you know, Genesis um, Genesis 1 is the Elohist because you say in the beginning yeah. God created him. Mm -hmm. And then in Genesis 2 it's, you know, the Lord God and so forth. And um, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, that's sort of a very p prominent um, way of thinking about the Torah and about the first yeah. uh, five books of the Bible. Um, but I don't think that it 
I, I don't believe it. And the re the main reason is I don't I don't really study this at all. Um, so I my knowledge is very limited. So please take it with a grain of salt. But I trust Jesus more than I trust critical scholars. And Jesus Amen. seemed to say, and it's very clear that he believed that Moses wrote those books, and that he believed that those books were the word of God and were infallible. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with Jesus, uh, regardless of what these. I mean, and, and it's, there's some a lot of good scholarship out there. I'm not saying that all scholarship is bunk. I'm just saying that I just trust him more than, than I do them. And um, sometimes I've noticed that there's a tendency to, how can I put this charitably? I think it's there's a tendency to disparage the Bible unnecessarily sometimes. Um, but yeah, that's what the higher critical method is which I don't believe. So did someone say Team Jesus? Team Jesus? Yeah, we're on Team Jesus. Who said that? I'm, I mean, we are, but... I'm sort of kidding. Well, I'm not really kidding, but I'm kidding. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think there are better, more reverent ways of speaking of the church than Team Jesus. <laughs> so that's what I would... Uh, but, but yeah, no, it's I a know. Fine, fine way of thinking about it. I'm, I'm saying it tongue-in-cheek. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that is like a definitely a very prominent perspective of the. Yes. Wait, wait, wait a second. But yeah, so um, a very prominent view in the class on baking, or at least the the professor is teaching. So the class is called the Bible as literature. Right. The professor is teaching the doc, the what you were saying, the documentary, the documentary hypothesis, hypothesis. Yeah. Which is, which is just that, like the Torah is a compilation of the Yahweh, Elohim, like different authors who throughout history, they all, like, come together. And what's, what, like, like they just made their own documents and then they just merged together. But what's interesting is that my professor said that, oh, there is absolutely no evidence at all that any of these documents actually exist. Right, that the sources of the, mm -hmm. the sources of the, what we have now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> I mean, it always seemed, when I learned it in my freshman year in one of the courses I took, on this matter was it was like it just it seemed odd to me mm -hmm. it just seemed very contrived it's like well how do you decide which is the Elohist or the Yahwist mm -hmm. and even like I said in Genesis 2 it says mm -hmm. the Lord God so yeah. they're together so what do you do there yeah and it just seems I, I don't know it just seems it's frustrating because mm -hmm. since there's like you said no evidence for it, it's very hard to disprove and it's sort of like once you say like once you see something, it's sort of hard to unsee it. Mm -hmm. So then people are like, oh, yeah, this proves this or this proves that. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, not necessarily. And I think, like I said, I, I'm not a scholar on these matters, and I know that there are people who are and are much better with this, um, with, these, with dealing with the, um, the origins of the different uh, books in the Old Testament. But again, like I said, I trust Jesus uh, about this. So Team Jesus. Yeah, Team Jesus. <laughs> oh, I got to say it. He's the coach. He's the coach. <laughs> He's um, the boss. He's the master. He's yeah. the king, the lord, the, yeah. Yeah, God Almighty. Um, so, um, Wolfred, would you, uh, so, you know, there are, I'm sure you're aware that there are different denominations in the Christian faith. There are. So this I'm is more kidding. of a question for the audience because both right. you and I know where you land. Yes. But what would you describe yourself as and why? Oh, I'm a Lutheran. I'm really? A, yeah. Yeah. You surprised? <laughs> <A little bit. laughs> no, um, 
for the audience, Chris and I are in a class together, a PE class, and we have a lot of fun yeah. during our, stre- our uh, strenuous activities yeah. discussing it's uh, a theology. High-intensity high condition High-intensity condition. It's, it's, it's intense. There's yeah. no messing around. It's okay. It's, it's fun. It's a great way to start the it day. Um, anyway, yes, I am a Lutheran. I am a um, confessional Lutheran, which means... Interesting, you are? Yes. What? And con- when I say confessional, it just means that... Um, the church I'm a part of uh, subscribes to the Book of Concord, which includes mm. things like the Augsburg Confession and Luther's uh, Martin Luther's Small and Large Catechisms, the Formula of Concord. The no s- offense. Small called articles. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, okay, go ahead. No offense, but my view of you just went up a lot. How so? Because you're confessional. Yes. Well, we uh, we in Lutherans are we Lutherans are very um, particular about making sure that we. Uh, stay faithful to our confessions. And these confessions were all written in the 1500s. So from 1529 to about 1577. Um, and the Book of Concord, which is the one a single volume collection of all these different documents, uh, was published in 1580. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So here's 1689 London Baptist. Yeah. El- yeah. Okay. Yeah, London Baptist Confession. Um, Actually, there are a lot, there are so many of the churches that I know are not confessional. Yeah, I think that's a problem because, well, it's it's not always a problem. There are lots of good churches out there who, yeah, aren't, who aren't as confessional. However, I think that it's important to have uh, your confessions because it, you are pinned down in terms of particular doctrines mm-hmm. and you take a stance. Um, because so many people say, oh, we have no creed about the Bible, um, but that ends I don't know. I don't think that's that's very helpful because the earliest church always made creeds and confessions mm-hmm. to summarize and to clarify what they meant about certain mm-hmm. about the basics of the faith yeah. and also to clarify certain doctrines against heretical teachings like um, with the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed against the Arians, and then and the Athanasian Creed as well. And then there are other documents that that, um, that, that uh, in addition to that. So I think it's really important to. To be a and and it sort of also grounds you in a historical tradition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. That that didn't like start existing five seconds ago. <laughs> so, so it's I think that's important. But yeah, so I am a Lutheran. And you're confessional. Yes, I am. Interesting. And then, so why would you say that you're Lutheran, and why not something like Methodist or something? <laughs> well, I sort of have a long uh, religious story. So. And it's interesting you say Methodist because I was actually baptized in a Methodist. What? Yeah, I actually didn't a, know that. In a Methodist uh, church in here in Missouri, um, and my my grandfather actually was a is a ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene, which is a conservative Wesleyan um, mm. church body, and um, I, some it's a tradition and church body I very much respect. I don't agree with and everything, but I really respect them. And Grandpa baptized me when I was about two. Um, Years old, and um, then my family went to a Presbyterian Wait, church for a while. Quick, quick question: Yeah, so do they baptize babies? Yes, in the, in, in the Methodist church. Yes, or in the Wesleyan. Yes, really. Yes, wow. yes. okay. Yes. Um, see, John Wesley uh, was an Anglican, and so was his brother Charles, and mm-hmm. all of the early Methodists were Anglicans, and so the Church of England baptizes infants as yep. well. And um, so anyway, then uh, my family went to a Presbyterian church for a while when I was younger, not for that long, and then we didn't go to church for a while, and then my then we went started going to an ELCA congregation mm-hmm. um, here in here in town, 
And um, we went there for several years. Um, but the ELCA, for those of you who aren't aware, stands for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And essentially, the ELCA is a very uh, theologically liberal denomination, particularly in matters such as homosexuality. And um, during high school, I joined Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and that was a very um, important experience in my life because I started taking the Bible much more seriously and I realized that the Bible says that homosexuality is sinful. And so I had to, I could not continue to be in a church, uh, a congregation and a church body that openly supported homosexuality and said that it was a good thing. And uh, when scripture and the word of God says the opposite. And so I left the ELCA. Uh, how old were you? I was in high school. But it was sort of, it wasn't just one day I said, oh, I'm just going to No, I know, it, but how, roughly how old were you? When you were? Uh, like late. It, uh, probably about eight, 17, 18, 19. Wow, okay. Um, and then it took me a while to find another church. Eventually, I joined a, uh, a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation here in St. Louis mm -hmm. called Village Lutheran Church uh, in Ladue. It's a wonderful, wonderful are, congregation. Are they, are they good? Y yes. Are they biblical? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, kidding. And, no, I know, but but they are, and... Uh, it was it's hard to leave an old an old church and especially with you know all right well for those wondering what this pause is uh so as you may or may not be aware uh will wolford and i do not own a private studio to re record our podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and by the way i'm i'm giving that joke credit to will because oh, he, thank you <laughs> he was like chris you should say this so so we don't, we don't we don't really own a room to record this stuff so we actually were in like a classroom like a random classroom at wash U. isn't there something where i feel like wash U? if you wouldn't it be interesting if you made like money off this podcast wash U would be like give us money because you used our rooms you know blah 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 dude don't give them ideas bro we, we pay the school if you're listening wash U. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we got kicked out of the classroom. So now we are currently in a different classroom. Yes. Hoping that we don't get kicked out of this one, too. I hope, I hope not. All right, but going back to the conversation that we abruptly... So, yeah, so I was saying that it's hard to leave a, a congregation um, because that's where sometimes my family would go. That's where I knew a lot of people and so yeah. forth. And it's it's hard to leave, but I had to... I felt my I was very um, convicted in my conscience mm -hmm. and... As Luther said, my conscience is held captive by the Word of God, and I just I had to find another yeah. another church cool. that taught a biblical doctrine regarding uh, human sexuality. Yeah, that that makes sense, and yeah, and that sort of goes back to the idea of what you were saying of like a confession. Like if you're not mm -hmm. if you're not addressing doctrinal issues through confessions, or like like that that's one of the purposes that one has a confession. So like for example, recently at my church, uh, a few of the pastors they drafted up like a like a document on like some of the common errors of the day mm -hmm. and then they found i, I don't want to say like solutions but they reiterated okay what are like biblical right what are like good perspectives on those things mm -hmm. that's great yeah. yeah so but you you never really answered my question though. i so didn't okay well why lutheranism why well I, I sort of explained why i ended up in a lutheran church and i had been in a elca lutheran church for a while but I would say that that's not really a Lutheran church just because they've capitulated in so many ways to the, the zeitgeist of the current culture. Uh, however, when I finally did join a Lutheran 
church in the um, in 2020. Um, the reason I did so was because I believe that what the Lutheran Church teaches uh, is the most faithful confession, uh, inter- biblically speaking. Did that answer your question? Uh, it did. Would you uh, like me to be more specific? Um, before we get more specific, yeah. I just want to say how surprised I am because you very much give me the impression of someone who has been in the Lutheran Church, like in the faithful Lutheran Church their entire life. No, I, I was not. And so to hear that there was a will before this will that I know now is <laughs> mind-staggering. There, I had... I was going to try to make a stupid pun about I willed to become Lutheran, but oh but again, uh, it's only by grace, right? Anyway, oh, yeah, so, um, yeah, no, um, my mom's side of the family, uh, especially my grandmother, uh, was Lutheran. My grandmother grew up Lutheran here in St. Louis, and um, my mom grew up Lutheran as well, but um, it wasn't very... It wasn't like something that was really important to my mom. I mean, it was in a sense, but not in terms of specifically what the Lutheran Church teaches on specific matters. And um, in fact, I didn't mention earlier, but when I left the ELCA and moved over to the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, there was a large interim period between that. And I was trying to figure out what I believed. I knew I was a Christian. I knew I belonged to Christ and I trusted him and that he was my everything. Um, But it was sort of a long process of trying to figure out what I thought about baptism and, you know, Holy Communion and all the different matters of, of the faith. And um, so I was actually, as I didn't mention, I attended a, for about a year in that in that sort of limbo space. I attended a Presbyterian church. Oh, yeah, and you became Reformed. I was, re- I was Reformed. Right. I, I never became a member of Central Pres. Uh, it was, by the way, um, I don't agree with Presbyterian theology, uh, anymore, but that church is a marvelous church. I can't speak highly enough about it. Every time I drive by it, I just thank the Lord that it's such a faithful congregation that and then, Christ. And so. then you fell out of Reformed. So I, perhaps I never was really Reformed <laughs> at all. No, that, that's that's a that, joke. That's another joke. That was a joke we made for our year. theologically inclined listeners. Um, Wait, should I? I should get the context. So we're we're talking about whether one could lose their salvation. Yes. And so Will says that you can. I say I say that obviously not, <laughs> and, then, and then so he says that he was reformed for like a year, and I was like, oh, and then you fall out of being reformed. So you yeah, you were never reformed. And I said, yeah, never reformed at all. All right, um, but yeah, no, it was a wonderful church. I absolutely loved it, but I um, I ended up the the sort of the thing that made me go back to Lutheranism was or go back. It's sort of it's not really clear whether I went back whether I was ever really like understood what Lutheranism yeah, Not that it matters. Like, not, not that it doesn't really matter. But anyway, um, I, I wrote a letter to my grandma's old pastor who had moved to New Hampshire for retirement. I wrote him saying, you know, hope you're doing well. I'm in college now. I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciated your ministry. He's a Lutheran pastor. And um, I don't know why I did this. I just did it. And then he uh, wrote back and recommended that I read this book called The Spirituality of the Cross uh, by Gene Edward Veith. And I read that book, and then I decided, you know what, I um, I'm going to become Lutheran, and so that was that book was really influential, and it was at the time I was really more thinking about okay how do I, um, how is Lutheran theology and and practice and teaching and doctrine different from Reformed theology practice teaching and doctrine because that's where I was at the time, um, 
And for those of our listeners who don't know what reformed means, it oh, yeah. essentially means um, like presbyter. At least in my context, and there are reformed Baptists, like the gentleman sitting across from me right now. <laughs> and um, um, but I was at the time I attended a Presbyterian church, and so um, I was uh, just comparing like Lutheranism to that. And so uh, when I studied it, thought about it, read about it, um, prayed about it. I found that Lutheranism uh, was more faithful to the scriptures, particularly regarding the sacraments and regarding, um, I just stopped, I just could not, after really sitting and thinking about it, I could not come to believe in um, certain uh, elements of uh, Calvinist theology regarding um, double predestination, limited atonement, and um, uh, perseverance of the saints, so, or well, as as they would term it. So, so you would consider yourself a... Uh two-point Calvinist. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't think that I should let the Calvinists define the debate, but, but yeah, no. Um, regarding Lutheranism, so uh, I guess I can sort of give the best. There, there are some other people who've done a really good job comparing the two much better than I can, but regarding the, you know, the tulip form formulation, T, total depravity, means that all people apart from God's grace are fallen and in sin and unable to reach out to God, unable to come to God of their own will. And um, uh, we Lutherans share that share that belief. We we tend to use we tend to say original sin or the bondage of the will. However, it's, the Bible. It's, yeah, that's just what the, I would say. That's just what the Bible teaches. Um, apart from apart from Jesus and apart from you know a relationship with God, people are. Um, Dead in sin, as it says in Ephesians two, and then uh, you, tulip t u unconditional election, and uh, that's the doctrine that, according to, and correct me if I'm misrepresenting the reformed position, but that um, from all eternity God has predetermined who who is going to be saved and who He is going to pass over and not save, um, and. Um, certainly, the reason that anyone is saved is because of God's grace alone. Uh, we know that from the, from the scriptures. However, I would say that God desires all people, all human beings, not just all the elect, but all people to be saved. And that's the teaching of the Lutheran Church and um, in accordance with the New Testament. And then the L in the, in the um, uh, formulation is limited atonement, and that is uh, that Christ died uh, only primarily, if not only, for the elect, and uh, meaning those people whom God had predestined to, to be saved. Jesus died only for them, and I would say no, that Jesus died for the whole world and for, for all people. Um, and then irresistible grace, the I, uh, we would say certainly that God's grace uh, is always at work through his word, and that when someone believes that it's only by God's grace, however, people do resist the grace of God, and that is why, not, not is why those people are not saved. Um, and then perseverance of the saints. Uh, that's another one where I'm kind of like, a lot of it I'm like, yes, but then I'm like, no. So the, yes, God is going to preserve us and keep us in the faith and um, sustain us always by his grace, by his Holy Spirit, by his word. However, it is possible, I would say, for some people to, through unbelief or through continued unrepentant sin, to um, to um, walk away from, from Jesus and to cut themselves off from the life-giving vine of, of Christ and the Holy Spirit uh, and the Father. So that's that's what I would say. Um, but that's sort of why uh, I became... Those are sort of negative reasons, <laughs> uh, but the positive reasons 
Um, that, that's, that, was, that was sort of my thought process. So you would consider yourself actually a one-point Calvinist? <sighs> and I'm saying like tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I know. I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I mean, there's a lot with except limited atonement. The other four, there are points where we really, there's, there's agreement. But then other points, no. But the, the first one, pretty much yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> I would... I don't, I personally, like, and this this may be a little bit controversial, but I... Are you controversial? Never. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I keep on telling people. Like, I'm just saying what the Bible says. Like, it shouldn't be controversial. <laughs> All right, for, for anyone Amen, who's... brother, yeah. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't, who doesn't know, this is probably, I probably should have said this earlier, but Will and I have known each other for, like, a little while now, and we're, like, we're, like, buddies. We're, like, we're like chummy with each other. Yes. So, uh, if, if I, uh... If I seem harsh, or if I seem like I'm like throwing shots, or if I seem like I'm being really mean, or like yes, I am, but it's fine because we're friends. Well, the shots aren't hitting me, so it's okay. Not yet. Yeah, that's okay. Maybe yeah, maybe soon. <laughs> no, but um, uh, yeah, and then for like the one point and the two point Calvinist, I'm, I'm I'm not really throwing shots at you. I'm throwing more shots at people who are like, oh yeah, I'm three and a half point Calvinist. And well, it seemed to me that. Um, like I, I, according to the the system, it makes sense. Like the 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 tulip system mm-hmm. fits like a glove, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, if you embrace, you know, um, if you embrace, you know, double predestination, it makes limited atonement makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it so does mm-hmm. um, irresistible grace, and makes sense with you know, if you are, if you are regenerate, then you can't fall away. Mm-hmm. So. I yeah. Get it. Yeah. 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 So I would sort of. I just don't think it's biblical. That's all. Yeah, and that's fair. And I just can, a little thing. And <laughs> and I I will say I I am not necessarily the biggest fan of using the framework of like tulip. Yeah, because I think that actually the canons of Dort use like have a different ordering. It's like old tip maybe. Um, it's it's more of more of a, I prefer to look at the entire perspective or like right, the right. system right. in a way instead of the actual, okay, well, this is Calvinism. Yes. These are these. Yeah. Five and lines. I think I, I, yeah, that's a great point. You said that. Cause I think a real more robust engagement with reformed theology is, would be like the Westminster confession of faith or the London Baptist. Yeah. Cause the, it's the better confession. The <laughs> well, I, Ich habe kein Hund in dieses Kampf. I have no dog in that fight. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, it doesn't, uh, but, but, but yeah, but, but the two are very similar, uh, except on baptism. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, actually, I mean, they're almost identical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. There's the, yeah, we're quite literally a copy and paste with a few edits. <laughs> right. Like, like quite literally. But uh, I would, the reason why, so, Fun fact, and I, I, I knew you, like, coming into WashU, I, I was very much, like, not, I was non-confessional. I, I was in, like, the... I know, apparently... Jesus um, Movement Church. Apparently, I remember a mutual friend of ours, Coleman from RUF, mm-hmm. uh, it was either him or somebody else said that the first thing you ever said to them was, I am not Reformed. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of interesting to see it's, uh, the change. The change. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, uh, I, because I started going to a Reformed church, to a Reformed Baptist church, yeah, and I came in like very, like not very hostile, but I came in like, re- like rejecting, uh, like Calvinism and the Reformed perspective pretty hard, mm-hmm. uh, 
And so I had a lot of difficult conversations with my elders. Right. And I actually almost became Lutheran for a little bit because of you. I, I'm not sure if I told you that. I, I didn't know that. I was very close to becoming Lutheran. I, uh, oh, fascinating. Yeah. And then I fell away from Lutheran. <laughs> no. <laughs> but so like, like there were a few like Lutheran I, podcasts that I listened to. Which one? Uh, the one that you told me to, the one with the guy that all the Calvinists hate. Oh. Justin Sinner? No, a different one. Um, well, there was, uh, he like talks about like Soteriology 101. Oh, Soteriology, he's not Lutheran. Oh, he's not? No, 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 no. Soteriology 101 is not Lutheran. That's, um, Leighton Flowers. Leighton Flowers. He is a, he's not Lutheran at all. He's a very strong, he's not even Arminian. He's like semi-Pelagian. Is he? Oh yeah. I mean, he's, uh, the Arminians are much more grace centered than he is. Um, cause he thinks he has this view called, I think provisionism or something like that. It's yeah. essentially that you do have to make it, you have to choose. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. God has done his part. Now it's up to you. And mm-hmm. I find that repulsive. Cause, all right. Good. Cause God does it all and we can't yeah. apart from his grace. Yeah. Good. You're so, so basically you're, you're, you're closer than I was hoping for. Yeah. I'm a monergist. Lutherans are monergist. Monergism yeah. means that mono meaning one mm-hmm. and ergo meaning ergos meaning work work, work so yeah. one work okay, I, I can read greek excuse no, I'm, me I'm, I'm i know you can i'm doing it for the benefit of our listeners oh that's right your thought. listeners rather and um and basically god alone accomplishes our salvation mm-hmm. the father sends the son together they send the spirit and the triune god alone accomplishes yeah salvation interesting okay yeah, so uh, then it wasn't that one. It, it was probably that one, and then I also listened to a podcast from an actual Lutheran who was giving his perspectives on, like, why baptism is whatever, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, he was le- he was legitimately Lutheran, and I actually almost became Lutheran. Like, my, my brother would attest to that. That's cool. And then... It's never too late, you know. <laughs> and then, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's a longer story. But, but that to say, or more of what I was saying before on, like, the, the way that... The, part of the reason why I would be reformed or part of the reason why I would like, like it, it was never the five points of Calvinism yeah. that convinced me. Cause like I was given a book by, I think it was RC Sproul on what is reformed God bless theology. That man. May he rest in peace. Sproul? I, yeah. Sproul is great. Did he die? Yeah, he did. He died back in 2017. Okay. Oh really? I thought, yeah. He's I thought great, he great alive. man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so well, I don't agree with all of his <laughs> theological of views. But me neither. He's a Presbyterian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's still a lot of respect for him. Um, I read that book. Is it Holiness of God? It was What is Reformed Theology. Okay, okay. And so the first half of the book dealt on, like, the Reformation, mm-hmm. I believe. And then I'm like, amen, amen, amen. Like, I'll, I'll agree with all that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, sola, like you sola call fide, it. Yeah. Sola fide, uh, sola, I should, I'm Grat- a Lutheran. I can't think exactly. of it off the top of my head. I'm very, sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptula. Yeah. Most important one, sola, sola Christus. Christ. Yeah, sola Christus. And and then um, soli deo gloria, sola, which is yeah, what Johann, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach put on all his compositions. Yeah. Because he cool. was a devout Lutheran. Cool. Yeah, like my church has that in like, like uh, pictures or panels or whatever. Yeah. But that's not relevant to this competition. Yeah. So, uh, so I went through the first half of the book and I'm like, oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. Like, awesome. And then I went through the second half of the book where it talks about like the five points. And I'm like, dude, this book sucks. <laughs> I hate this. This is an annoying book. And so like it it wasn't reading about the five points that really I did see. it for me. It it was, I, I think it was just, uh, sort of started with the idea that God it, that there is no chance that God is sovereignly working all things through his providence. Mm-hmm. 
and that anything that I do, like the fact that I got that pencil right now, mm-hmm. it is something that God ordained before time even began to happen. And though I did make the choice to do it to a certain extent, like there are so many different var- variables that I can't even, can I, that I cannot even comprehend right. that is yeah. in place sure. there. And so like one thing that I asked my pastor is like, oh, well, does like does randomness really exist? Mm-hmm. You know, like if I did a random number generator. Right. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm a computer scientist, so I mm-hmm. know decently about that. But basically what we do is the a typical random number generator. It's actually not really random. It's based off of an algorithm unless you use noise, you use like a natural noise to like, for example, one would get like different wind patterns and natural naturally occurring like events and then you would get true randomness mm-hmm. but that true randomness like it's it's not random like mm-hmm. uh, there's a is it a proverb or is it uh it talks about um is it the lord establishes his steps um are you talking about from the book of proverbs from the book of proverbs uh it's not that one is but it, that one's yeah. that one's good too it is a man a man gets a lot and it's I don't know. I, I get what I know what you're saying. It's it's but it's about God's sovereignty and yeah. his providence. Um wait, give me a second. I'm gonna see if I can find it. Yes. Here I found it. It's uh Proverbs sixteen thirty three. Would you like to read it for us? The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Yeah. Proverbs sixteen thirty three. Exactly. So just the idea that if God really is sovereignly working all things out, yes, uh, that was the foundation of why it became reformed. Reform. Okay, of the fact that you know even someone who, like, if if someone like how can you really choose your because like er, everyone like you, right. you, even if the Armenians were right and they were like okay you choose your salvation after God presents it to you right like God still has it presented to you if yes. that makes sense like in no there is no situation like feasible. That anyone can ever be saved, ever, 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 unless God brings uh, his special rev- revelation, unless God brings uh, his word to someone. Yes. And unless, and like, so that would be a starting point <clears throat> of like, okay, well, God sovereignly has to choose for that to happen. Yeah. It's it's not just random for every single little thing is decided and done by the Lord. Yes. Um, I would actually probably agree with most of that. I would sort of, I definitely believe in the sovereignty of God, that God knows all things. God controls all things, omniscience, omnipresence, and so forth, uh, omnipotence. And however, I my concern sometimes with Reformed theology is that there's a tendency to interpret everything through the lens of the sovereignty of God, which is not bad, but it becomes, I think, problematic when, you, when certain clear passages are... Um, in my humble opinion, explained away because they don't fit with this system, uh, the reformed system. Um, well, I would, I would, I would describe it more like this: like what happened when with uh, Joseph. As yes, yes. Afterwards, you desired in Egypt. It for evil, and God desired it for good. So, yeah, God or you, yeah. So, right. which fits with this proverb, you know, mm-hmm. a lot is cast into the lap. It's every decision is from the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it talks later. Uh, Elsewhere in the book of Proverbs about the Lord establishing um, yeah. man's steps. Proverbs 3. Yeah. And um, so forth. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But mm-hmm. I just think that it's sort of a mystery and a tension. I, don't, mm-hmm. I can't explain how this yeah. all fits together, but I agree with what you said. No one would believe unless mm-hmm. God brought mm-hmm. them through his means of grace, through his word, mm-hmm. through his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. However, I also believe that God wants every person to mm-hmm. be saved, that 
um, that Jesus shed his blood for the sins of every person Mm -hmm. fully for Mm -hmm. all their sins, including their unbelief. Uh, And however, people tragically reject Mm -hmm. that. And how do those things fit together? I don't know. It's just something I don't believe I can explain because I just think that's what the scripture teaches in Mm -hmm. the same way. Can I explain how God is one essence and three Mm -hmm. distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or how Jesus has two natures and yet as one person mm-hmm. no i can't but mm-hmm. i just accept it um because that's what the scripture teaches mm-hmm. yeah so i so i know or at least I, I figure that a common critique of reformed theology is that uh, we try to like explain things that aren't there yeah. i would argue that no matter who you are calvinists well i mean i i would prefer the term re- reform yeah sure and biblical i, I do but no, no. Like no, I, I think I prefer the term reform too because it's more historic. It's more historic, and, yeah. it, and it's and it's not just the five points. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of others like covenant other theology mm-hmm. and exactly. a bunch of other stuff that is not just tulip. I agree. Uh, so I do prefer the term reform, but you can say bi- biblical. But we, we can debate that more <laughs> later. But of course, wait, sorry, what was I saying? But um, that you tend to the accusation that reform folks oh, yeah. tend to explain. Things Thank over you. explain things. I, I would say that no matter what tradition you're in, as long as you're faithfully trying to approach the Bible, everyone is going to end up stopping at a certain point with, okay, well, that's about as much as right. is revealed to us by God, or right. as much as we can understand. Like, even even Reformed people will say that, even Armenians will say that, uh-huh. or, or, or not even say that, but I mean, like, we'll get to right. that point. So, yeah, sure. I, I wouldn't want to say that the Reformed people are trying to over explain things. I would say rather we look at the evidence of Scripture. Yeah, uh, you, we'll just wink at me. <laughs> we look at the evidence of so, the, so. So do we? <laughs> you know, and, and well, sort of. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. No, I know. I have great respect for. I respect it. I like that people. I like people who actually care about these yeah, things. So appreciate it. So that I would. Uh, he went over to First Timothy. I actually know a lot about that verse. Yeah, we'll talk about it now. Well, this is. I mean, this is just one I would point to. Yeah, and that's one a that, lot more. And then we can um, talk about it. In, in it's talked for, about. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We're not. We're not. We're not I'm, I'm going to finish my point real quick. Oh yes. Without, please oh. Res- finish your point. Finish uh, your point. And then, so I would say that. The question isn't whether we're trying to look too deep into mm-hmm. it. I, I don't think that's a proper yeah. accusation. I would say I, I would want to go straight into the Bible and say, okay, well, this yeah, is, sure. this is why we think, and not because we're trying to overexpand it, but because we are convinced that this is the particular point that the Bible makes. Sure. So, do you want to go to First Timothy two? Let's do it right now. Okay. Yeah. This for those of our Chris's listeners who aren't aware, this is a. Uh, First Timothy, written by Paul. Um, although some people say this was not written by Paul, they're wrong. Like, uh, like, like your professor. Well, he's a great, great guy, but he's mistaken about this this letter. Did um, he say that Timothy was written by Paul? Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, these are the pastoral letters: First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. Um, but essentially, this is a passage where um, those of the Reformed uh, tradition who um, this is. Uh, some people say this is a problem passage for for them. Um, I would agree. I would disagree. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, cause, easily. Um, but anyway, so basically, it says that Paul is talking about telling Timothy that because Timothy is a pastor and he's telling Timothy about how the church should function as pastors and so forth. And he says, "I urge that uh, first of all, then uh, he's talking to Timothy. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life." Godly and dignified in every way. By the way, this is not related to what we're talking about, but I just love that. His, that's sort of the purpose of government to 
restrain evil to the extent where people can just sort of live a peaceful and quiet mm-hmm. life and that we can share Christ. Um, anyway, and then he goes on and says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. And he goes on to say how he was appointed a preacher, an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And then he talks about, goes on and talks about mm-hmm. church, church practices and mm-hmm. uh, qualifications for overseers and deacons and so forth. Um, but we're focusing on mm-hmm. two, four. So would you like my response to that? So you're going to respond to the Bible? Yeah, with the Bible. <laughs> okay. In this passage, right? You're not going to go Exactly. Else. I'm going to go and then, yeah, like from the beginning of Timothy. All right, that's fine. Go ahead. All right, so let's go, let's go by it section by section. Okay. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the commandment of God, our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. You're in, in New, King, New King James? I'm in the New King James. I love New King James. I'm in the ESV. Cause... I like the ESV better, actually. But... Oh, okay, great. But um, I'm pretty frugal. And so this Bible was a gift. Ah, uh, I see. And I don't want to spend $10. It's nice because you've got those, all that space for notes. Yeah, but I don't write notes. I, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I write my notes on a separate notebook. Okay, got yeah, it. I, cool. I, I, I do write notes. I just do it somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, uh, go ahead. Uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So what is, uh, just starting off, like what does it seem like this section is saying? Oh, it says, this is his standard apostolic greeting. Yep. Um... And he talks about, you know, our hope and Timothy. He talks about Timothy being his true child, and um, that's referenced elsewhere. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ. That was very good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a standard apostolic greeting that he has in his other letters. <clears throat> it's so will. Yes. Where did he get all the people? When did they show up? What people? Oh, they were just—they're all so interested in about Lutheranism, so that's why I'm not going to respond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. So I would agree. So now, yeah, keeping that in mind, let's go, let's go <clears throat> to the next section. Would okay. you like to read the next three to eleven? Yes, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. For we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding that, understanding this, that the law was not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. Thank you. So what is the main fun- function that you see that place playing? Well, he's talking about how he wants the, um, how he wants Timothy to 
have other how he wants Timothy to tell other Christians how we're supposed to be living, and um, essentially he says, "I just love this. The aim of our charge is love, that is used from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So, faith, we have faith in our Lord Jesus. We're united mm-hmm. to Him. Mm-hmm. We share in His life, mm-hmm. and then He transforms us so that we can begin to love mm-hmm. God and love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And then He talks about false teachers and then he says that the law is good which is similar to what he says in Romans 7 that the law is good Mm -hmm. Um, but the law God's law Mm -hmm. reveals the sin of those Mm -hmm. who transgress it and he goes basically I like this how he goes in verse 10 he goes through all these different sins but they're basically um, in verse 9 and 10 goes through the different violations of the Ten Commandments Mm -hmm. particularly the second table of the law which has to do with how we relate to our neighbors Mm -hmm. Uh, so he talks about you know those who strike fathers and mothers violating the commandment on your father and mother that's sexually immoral and men who practice homosexuality violating the command against Mm -hmm. adultery and slavers violating uh, people who are engaged in the slave trade violating the command thou shalt not steal uh, liars perjurers and whatever else you know those who um violate that thou shalt not bear a mm-hmm. false witness and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So this is the law. He's um, condemning sin. And then he talks about the, I just love this, the, the, the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful statement. It is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, for the, uh, I would agree. I would say, <coughs> I, even looking at it more, and I'm not going to repeat what you said because I think you put, it, you put a lot of it very well. So I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm just going to assume that the audience heard what you said. And so I'm not, I'm going to try my best not to repeat any of it. <laughs> good. But, uh, just so you don't feel bad that I'm not like talking about what you said, because I thought a lot of it was really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, and then taking like a, mo- a more of a, I guess, larger, l- larger picture of the function of that particular section, mm-hmm. I would say more or less it's, um, Paul is talking to Timothy about, uh, about raising like, like teachers in the in the what's that, what's Macedonia, I mean in Ephesus, like just yeah, like what you said, teaching uh, people and preparing them. Right. And then so he goes and describes like bad teaching and then mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah, he's really emphasizing mm-hmm. emphasizing yeah. how Timothy should promote good doctrine. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that most of that section is actually uh, it can be uh, it's more of a description of the first part of it. So he says. So, uh, as I urge you, when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may be that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Right. So he's expanding on expanding on. Yeah, that. that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I I knew what I was gonna say, and then you said a lot of other things, and then I got distracted. Oh, so. sorry. <laughs> no, no. Like it, it was it was it was good. And right. just, I, so if I feel like if it's, if I sound a little bit like confuzzled, um, but yeah, that's basically it. So it's I think a lot of it is the. Um, like he expounds on that first statement, like, he, okay, you're going to go and you're going to uh, charge some that they teach no other doctrine remain in Ephesus. And then he goes and explains that mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, like, what is good doctrine? What is bad doctrine? Yeah. That's, that's the bigger picture. Yeah. And exactly. then you gave a lot of the specifics. I appreciate it. Right. Uh, I'm going to read the next section up uh, verse 12 <coughs> to verse uh, 17. And by the way, for anyone listening, uh, Will and I uh, were not expecting to get into this conversation. So neither of us are, uh, neither, neither of us came into this like being prepared. Yeah, no, we just sort of going with the flow. Exactly. Getting into God's holy, inspired, inerrant, almighty word, which pierces to the marrow and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Now, I'm like glaring at Will right now. Uh, <laughs> and I thank Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he uh, counted 
count, counted me faithful. I can't read right now. That's okay. Counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I was about to say misery. <laughs> misery. <laughs> In Missouri. Right? M- yeah. Missouri. Although I was form- formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first uh, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So I think this section is foundational to the part that you just read. You cannot understand. You mean what I read in chapter two? Exactly. Oh, see, okay. You, sh- I mean, you you could, but I think yeah, that no, you can't. You can't read. You can't just pluck verses out of there. Exactly. Out of the flow of this his is, argument. This is foundational to sure. the context of yeah, what agree. we were just reading in chapter two. Yeah. So do you have do you have any points you want to make on that? It's just absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. It I is. Just, I'm so moved to hear that. Even though he has been such a faithful mm-hmm. follower of Christ for all these years, he still recognizes that I am a sinner, mm-hmm. that Christ came for me and died for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus came, and he called me so that I might proclaim this gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, and then, and of course, then in verse seventeen, it's where you get that hymn, "Immortal." Yeah, I was thinking the exact. I'm like, oh, this is where it's from. Yeah, I love that song. It's beautiful. Um, I would say in the context of so far where we're at, like -hmm. just reading on where we're at right now and what Paul says, I almost want to make a connection between uh, verses 3 through 11 Mm -hmm. and then verses 12 through 17. Yeah. In that he's like, okay, go train these elders. And then this is an example of of like why the law is used, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then he makes a almost a connection to himself that he was formerly one of those blasphemers yes. and that he was shown, like he was called, he was shown like the truth of the gospel and yep. this is what we're sharing. Yeah. And it's like when first Corinthians six, where he says, and such were some of you, exactly. But you were washed, you were mm-hmm. justified, you were sanctified. Exactly. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a picture. And, the, of, and then there's, yeah. it's, you know, for any of our listeners who don't know, who don't know Jesus, he is for you and there is hope um, mm-hmm. Believe in him, trust in him, um, come to him. Yes. Amen. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just beautiful. Do you want to go on after the doxology yeah. there? Um, this charge, I entrust. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're, we're, not, not. we're not done there. Okay. <sighs> what are you doing, Will? Trying to. <laughs> 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 ah. <laughs> Ouch. No, that was the wrong button, wait. Uh, I, that, that's for puns. Yeah, it was a joke. You were going on because you didn't want to hear me, right? I don't get it. Wait. Oh, uh, no, that's funny. Come on, Will. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, but go ahead. Yeah, you're you're good. Uh, I forgive you. I forgive you too, brother. For what? What did I do? I don't know. <laughs> you you can't just okay. I'm gonna, we're studying scripture. I'm gonna get back into it. <laughs> but you are forgiven by by Jesus, so. I'm just reminding you of that. Oh, thank you. Good. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So, I w- I would say the picture that's being painted here is just like Paul was once one of the blasphemers. Yeah. Uh, we were just reading in the previous section. Okay, go teach. 
these new elders like mm-hmm. uh, like to do good and then there are people out there who are not teaching good right yeah they're teaching bad things now we go to this new section and about paul saying that he was saved and then mm-hmm. i, I just want to make a i want to reread uh verse 14 uh, verse uh, i want to reread a few these verses uh from start starting from 13 although i was formerly a blasphemer a persecutor and an insolent man uh, i want to make make a connection there to like something like verse 9 uh and then uh e- even though that's the case uh where was i insolent man but i obtained mercy because i did it ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our lord jesus uh was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in christ jesus and this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Yes. He has obtained mercy. Um, yeah. And that's more of what I want to do. So just the idea of Paul was once in the domain of darkness in his ignorance, teaching these false doctrines, similarly to how in the previous section, there are people teaching uh, false yes. doctrine in, 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 in ignorance. And this is why Timothy in the first right. place has to go and teach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And why Paul is equipping Timothy to go teach. All right. Now you can read the next section and then we'll probably track back to this soon. This, I char- this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Any thoughts? Uh, yes, it says that they made shipwreck of their faith. Mm-hmm. And as one uh, Methodist uh, theologian put it, you can't make shipwreck of a faith that you never had. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the accent there. He's from, uh, he's a Southerner. He uh, teaches at Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. Oh. Uh, I'm not a Methodist. But, I have more words about Asbury, but that's really But that's a revival. We don't, I don't want to get into that. That's a whole different, I, I, actually went, I actually looked into that earlier today um, for the first well, time. I actually think it's a, been a very good thing. Interesting. Um, okay, we can talk more about it later. Yes, but there's something else I want to talk about in between the First Timothy and that. So let's finish. Yeah, let's yeah, get... exactly. Um, so here we talk more about church I commit to you uh, concerning the prophecies. Uh, here, I think two guys just got called out for saying lies for for like yeah, sure, teach, for make, making shipwreck of their faith. But it seemed that they at once taught the true faith. They had once been a part of the true faith because it says they made shipwreck of their faith and by rejecting faith mm-hmm. and good conscience. And this happens all the time where people have faith in Jesus and they have a good conscience, but then they say, you know what? I don't want that anymore. Or I can do whatever I want because mm-hmm. I can just sin mm-hmm. and it's okay. Mm-hmm. People, And that's that's horrible. Yeah, I disagree with that interpretation, but that's, the, the oh, that's okay. That we want to go into. That's to be expected. <laughs> that's to be expected. Um all right, then do you want to pray? Uh, no, do, do you want to pray? I just read pray in the... Dear God, I pray that Chris <laughs> would see the light. <laughs> do you want to read the next section up to verse uh, 7? Yes, I, we read this already, but I read it again. First of all, I, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a perfect and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. 
I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Amen. Amen. Now I think that we have the first chapter done. I think that we can better understand this section. what's being said in this section. So how would you... Mm-hmm. So basically what I was going to this passage to, mm-hmm. to show is that God wants... Mm-hmm. One is God wants every person to be saved, mm-hmm. all people. Mm-hmm. Two is that it says that there's one mediator between God and men, men and not his people, but men. And then it says that he... Uh, Christ, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom. That means a ransom means he died to buy us back mm-hmm. from our sins, from death, from the power of the devil. Um, he died, and he did that for every person. Mm-hmm. My my response to that, to those particular claims that you made, is that there, are, like, it, in order to like understand what the Bible is saying, you, you uh, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with this, mm-hmm. but this is the point that I would make with your interpretation. There is that. In order to understand, you uh, one can't just get sentences. Yeah, no, I, I agree with them you. out, and, and then you need to see it in the context of And then see what you're saying and interpret them literally. So the way that I would, I mean, literally in the sense, no, I know what of, you mean you, by that. Yeah, yeah, like you can't just take it like, uh, oh, in Leviticus it says that you can't have tattoos. Okay, well we we can't have tattoos. Right, you, you need to understand, understand in the context, in the context of, context. of the story of scripture and what exactly. God is doing in the world. So the yeah. way that I would interpret that. Mm-hmm. That section would be in light of what we had just read. So, uh, so the progression of how I would view it yeah. would be okay. Well, we look at the beginning in like uh, verse three, where uh, chapter one, where Paul is telling Timothy, okay, like you're gonna go into Macedonia and like uh, remain in, Eph- in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Mm-hmm. He talks about what these like doctrines are, or sort of. He like, goes in, in, into like the purpose of the commandments, mm-hmm. the the law. Uh, he talks about how there are people who are the purpose of the commandment is to uh, is love. So he's saying that the verse nine, yeah. knowing this, that the law is made not for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate, for the ungodly and for the sinner, for the unholy and for the profane. Uh, and then he goes into uh, how. Um, Timothy, or how Paul has, and I was in the gospel, he was once one of those pe- people who were forsaken in the gospel. I mean, this isn't the main point of what he's saying, but this is like a, a thing of what of what what he was saying. But as opposed to like this false gospel, now Paul is charged to teach mm-hmm. the true gospel, the real right. gospel, that he has been saved. Even Paul, uh, who was the, was it, um, of whom I am chief. So he's right. talking about how he is, the, I mean, in, uh, the chief of sinners, right? So he goes from that into saying... Um, I think that the connection there, and I think that you know this argument already, but in light of the fact that Paul is saying, okay, like the chief of sinners is me, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to teach like good doctrine, yep. uh, teach this to other people who were once like me, who were following in, right. in the ways of the darkness. So now pray for, and, and then we read again, like in chapter two, right. uh, to pray for kings and for all who are in authority that we may live that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence for this is a good and acceptable in sight of God who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So that scripture I would say you can't just take it out. I would say Well, I wouldn't finish with the come to a knowledge of the truth. Sure. I'd go on and say sure. there's one median and he di- he mm-hmm. gave himself as a ransom for all. Sure, sure. I would I w- I would say just just going there so far I my point isn't that, oh, I'm like, oh, I guess that's false because I would say in light of the scripture that we read before that, mm-hmm. I think that there is a common theme 
of people who are in the darkness, in their ignorance. Yes. As Paul was, as these teachers who now Timothy is, is, is teaching how they once were. Right. Even Timothy himself to a certain extent, but that isn't in the right. reading. Uh, there, there are these people who were once dead in their dark, in, in, in their sins, who are unable to see. Right. And now uh, God wants, and then this, this is where you would say, oh, you can't import that, but all types of people. Right. I see. I know that's, you the, know, that, that's, no, I know that's a reformed interpretation. So, of the text. so that, that, that to say, like we, we can disagree on it, but I think that there is more than enough in the text. Right. But I would say that the natural, like mm-hmm. in terms, of, I think in terms of scripture, I think the general rule is you take the natural reading of the text and I don't like the word literal because it's used in such a silly way because people are like, oh, well, do you, when you literally, do you think that God is a rock? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that God is mm-hmm. literally a, sh- a shepherd? And it's like, give me a break. That's not what we meant. What yeah, we mean natural. I agree. It's like when you mm-hmm. read it, what was meant by the author? Mm-hmm. What is meant by reading it? What's the mm-hmm. clearest meaning? And I think when you take this passage mm-hmm. in, in its whole context and you get down to chapter two, verses four through six and following, the um, the natural reading is that Christ, mm-hmm. that God wants all people to be saved mm-hmm. and he has made his son to be the one mediator mm-hmm. between himself and humanity mm-hmm. and that Christ, he died at, because, and mm-hmm. Christ died as a ransom mm-hmm. for all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's just, I just mm-hmm. think it's the most natural reading. And that there are plenty of other passages mm-hmm. too. I just think this one is a really good one for, mm-hmm. for, for dealing with these mm-hmm. questions. I want to be careful when you say natural reading to a certain extent, because Peter himself said that. Oh, like be careful, like with people who distort the words of, of, of Paul. I of know Paul, that. because they are hard to understand. Well, and I think I'm not sure. I don't know what Peter was talking about there mm-hmm. in Second Peter, but I've got a sense that it was people distorting it to say that they could sin, because in Romans six he talks about, uh, shall we sin? Shall we continue mm-hmm. in sin that grace? Sin, mm-hmm. sin that grace may abound. And mm-hmm. He says, no, mm-hmm. God forbid. Because mm-hmm. some people were saying, oh, if we're if it's only by grace, if it's only by Jesus, mm-hmm. it's like, well, then I can do whatever I want, mm-hmm. and that's a distortion that yeah. people make. I, I don't know if that's the one that... I think that's closer to that. I, I, I think you're right. You, you can pull up the verse. But I don't, I don't know. I'm, and just, then, I'm just guessing. And then say it, for, for sure. And then we can read it. Yeah, you can pull it up if you want. Then we can read it. Well, we but, don't have to. I mean, I, 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 get your, I get your point. So, yeah, looking at the function, I would say <laughs> that the emphasis of that, of the verses... Uh, like I think that there is most definitely uh, a very like you're not you're, you're not you're not even getting close to doing like gymnastics on the exegesis. I oh, because have I accused you of theological gymnastics before? <laughs> no, no, but I'm <laughs> okay because that's I'm, a phrase I like. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it? I I I think that one can legitimately from reading the context, and I think you can have a very natural reading of the texts. Uh, through well, how do you understand all as ransom for all? I would say you look at the function of it. What you, you, well, who's who's the all? You look referenced? at, um, like, so you just look at the function of it. So, like in in, in that case, all types of people. So okay. you you he talks about kings and rulers and so forth. Kings and rulers, and then you make the distinction earlier on that okay, even people like who I was, even people who were persecuting the faith, even I can like turn right to the gospel. Like Christ even died for me, chief of all sinners. Would you say like, are you comfortable saying Jesus died for all or all people in a certain sense? Oh, but Paul doesn't seem to qualify what he's saying. He Mm -hmm. just says he dies for all. Yeah. So I, I would, it's more of a, I think that you can have an interpretation. Like I, I, I think that the and, and later in First Timothy he talks about he is the savior of all men, especially mm-hmm. those who believe. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense where mm-hmm. 
because we, you and I are, we do belong to him and mm-hmm. we are Christians. Mm-hmm. That means he is our savior personally, mm-hmm. subjectively, mm-hmm. but he's also the savior of all men because he died for all. In a sense, sense. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, right. And I know the interpretation is that from like, yeah. from, mm-hmm. from the reform perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So but can you see how my, our, my, well, what the understanding that I put forward, how mm-hmm. that would, I could get that from this text. Yeah. So, so from, from the perspective, from my perspective, it, I mean, I don't want to say it like that because like, I do have a lot of respect for like, for like your, for like Lutherans and your perspective and like your interpretation. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for it. I, I, I would say that it, it could almost seem like, uh, like Lutherans are coming in with, uh, with a question of, well, does God save all people? Uh, or like, no, yeah, like is God going to save all people or does, like, like they have, they come into that question and then they take the surface level interpretation and they, they don't even pay attention to like, you just sort of pick, okay, a verse here, here and here that sort of look like it. Right. And which I, I, I'm sure you would say similar things about the reform camp that we grab a few different verses that look like it. So well, everyone that does that. Exactly. But I would, I would argue that because uh, when just as mm-hmm. from personal experience, when I was reformed for you, these passages mm-hmm. drove me crazy. Did it? Oh yeah, it drove yeah, me. It crazy. doesn't drove. It doesn't drive me crazy. Okay, though. so I guess you must be smarter than I. am. <laughs> well, I, I am pretty I, smart. No, I know. Thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you very much. much. Um, I don't know those, but these passages. Sorry, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm not that smart. Oh, you go to we both go to wash you. So, okay. I appreciate um, it. But anyway. Uh, this passage mm-hmm. bothered me very much. Yeah. Uh, and I just was, I guess I never was really convinced by the all kinds of yeah. people. And then, so the reason why it doesn't bother me is number one, because I feel like I'm not doing gymnastics. I, I feel like you can quite easily through the Yeah, you're doing context, water aerobics. Water aerobics. <laughs> doing uh, water aerobics. Doing, uh, was it skateboarding? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, no, but I legitimately think that you can, with the context, get a pretty a pretty good interpretation. Like, sure, I think sure. that, I, I think in light of the context, like that is, an, that is something that is possible. Mm-hmm. And then, so I would look, so I would look, look I would look into the bigger context. Of yeah, all sure. Scripture. And I, I just think that there's, there's just so much in the scriptures, like overall. And then I guess that that's where you're getting like the, Oh, you can't bring in other things, but I think, no, I no, I think you can. I, think you I can agree too. because scripture interprets scripture. Exactly. Scripture is self-consistent. Um, so I, I definitely agree. And um, I know all the positive arguments mm-hmm. that are made for limited atonement um, from mm-hmm. John 10 and Romans 8 and other places. Mm-hmm. But I think, like I was saying, you have to take the totality of what Scripture is saying. Exactly. So, yeah. So because of the, to- because of the totality of what, Christ- of what Scripture is saying, because there are just so well, many To say places- that Christ died for all also means that he died for all believers. And since we are believers, we uh, comprehend mm-hmm. that in a very special way personal Mm -hmm. way that someone who's you know out on the street who doesn't know christ Mm -hmm. even though christ died for that person that person still doesn't understand it or or comprehend it as they would if they were uh belong to him and were in relationship with with god so yes i I get that that's how i would see it as of course christ died for for his church see that in ephesians 5 um However, he also died for mm-hmm. not for our sins only, yeah. but also for the mm-hmm. sins of the whole world, as yeah. it says in First John two two. Yeah, I I would say that there's there's just so much in Scripture of God's sovereignty and salvation and how well, I'm not denying God's sovereignty and salvation. Yeah, I, I know I'm not saying that you are. I'm I'm just saying that the 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 core of like why I would interpret sure. First Timothy in that manner, why I would mm-hmm. interpret, mm-hmm. why I would say that the Bible has a very big like. Um, like why I would go with the reform view um, is because I think the, the, the entire scriptures point 
I see. To that, and then so when I get something like First Timothy, that's why it doesn't bother me. Be- yeah, no, I see, I see. Because I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even. I, I don't even think I'm doing gymnastics. I legitimately feel like that is a, that that is what in light of scripture and in light of that, like I think that's a okay, very, I got le- it. legitimate point of view. Sure. So, well, we won't solve this today. We won't, but uh, because you gave me a, a verse, I think we can. I think we took a long time. Sure. Doing that, but we can go th- very fast through Romans nine. I think Romans 9, um, yes, it's about God's sovereignty and salvation, but it's primarily about why don't the Jewish people believe in Jesus, their Messiah. I, I think that's a big part of it. And the reason, and, and, and you can't just take Romans 9, you have to go Romans 9, 10, 11, and um, it's about the, the mystery of God's dealings with his people Israel who have rejected their Messiah, his His son, mm-hmm. my Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but why did they, re- why? Re- why did they re- reject um, God? Right. Well, because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. They were broken off because of their unbelief in mm-hmm. Romans, Romans mm-hmm. 11. And then so we would argue that um, that there was a partial hardening. Yes, a partial hardening is Israel, Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles the fullness, come in. Until the fullness. So that, yeah, because, uh, and then I think you see that everywhere in like the book of Acts, for example. That yes, yeah, through, exactly. Through the partial hardening of Israel, the, the gospel Gentiles has gone out through the entire gospel. And then as we see also throughout church history that mm-hmm. how many people have believed in Christ, but also Jewish uh, people who have come to know their Messiah. Mm-hmm. There's actually a, in the, there's a Lutheran congregation here in St. Louis that's called Kaivi Shalom, which is a, a, it's a, it is a synagogue, but it is a, uh, it is a Messianic mm-hmm. Jewish congregation, cool. but they're Lutheran, which I think is really cool. Because um, re- I really, I'm very passionate about um Sharing the gospel with with Jewish people yeah. because because those are they are descended of of God's yeah. chosen people yeah um, yeah so but of course we are brought into the true Israel mm-hmm. who is Jesus Himself exactly Amen um, but God I think does promise that they will come back as we mm-hmm. see in Romans eleven yeah um, so so what 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 I would argue is is that like the partial hardening is just part of God's redemptive plan that some He's going to harden some He's going to uh, open their eyes to eternal life. Right. The spirit moves where it wants. Right. And you do not know to where it goes. To. Right. And so God will save some. God will open the eyes of some to his glory. But I think that God, it's, again, it just goes back to this mystery. I don't know how to square all these passages. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. but the I would say that the people who are not saved are not saved because they are rejecting persistently what God is, God's mm-hmm. uh, will mm-hmm. to save them. And we would agree. But we would agree that um, everyone... That it's his will that they reject him. Well, I, I, I would say that everyone, everybody's heart... Yes, is of course. Naturally, ...is naturally bent. And like, and so why some and not others? Mm-hmm. No idea. I don't know. Okay, so then you would appeal to mystery. We would appeal to mystery too, but we just would say that we believe that God chooses... And then you, would, you would say that God chooses some... Yes, I mean, I was, I'm was. i saved because God chose me. Yeah. I, that, there's no other reason because mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah, have been you saved. Yeah, so you would appeal to mystery sooner than we would. Yes, yes, yes I would. that's that's I that's basically and then just because of all the passages that mm-hmm. that that say that he wants all people to be saved and then Christ died for all and and then you square that with all the passages mm-hmm. that he alone saves mm-hmm. that he that it's only God it's only by grace mm-hmm. not of yourselves mm-hmm. like and in Romans nine and Romans ten and eleven mm-hmm. it's like how do you square those I don't know I just I trust in the the sovereignty mm-hmm. of God mm-hmm. and his um his his will which is hidden from us. Uh, which he has seen fit not to reveal to us. And maybe we won't even understand in the new heavens and the new earth. Maybe we will. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, it's 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 tragic that not all people are saved. I would want every person to be saved. Um, but 
not all people are saved because many people reject Jesus, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we would disagree in a few points. Really? Shocking. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that I think the Bible very clearly lists out um, the specific doctrines that God does choose some and others God hates. Yes, but if you go to Romans 11 at the end, it says he has consigned all to mm-hmm. disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the mm-hmm. thrust of where his argument's going. Yeah. That's the climax of his argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I would see Romans 9 mm-hmm. in that context. Mm-hmm. But again, we're these passages, every every good, every self, every every self-respecting Calvinist know these, knows these passages. Yeah, we do. Which is good. And I hope every self-respecting Lutheran knows these passages and every Christian is familiar with the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to convince each other in this. I'm afraid not. And also, I'm I'm very bad at like making arguments without like making arguments beforehand. So no, and and there's only so much that you know arguments can do. Is I think it's good that we are just reflecting here on yeah, God's on, word on scripture, yeah, because um, it is God's word, and mm-hmm. 